Ready to get started? Huh? You sure? You know, the, the, the more you cheer, the quicker I get started and the quicker I get finished and the quicker you get out of here. <laughs> I'm not sure that was a compliment or... <laughs> what do you think is the topic people least like to hear about in church? <laughs> wow, <laughs> you got it right. Which is a big surprise, right? And that's why pastors have to invent all kinds of creative ways to talk about it. For example, this announcement was published in a church bulletin. Our pastor has revealed the name of our new fundraising campaign. I upped mine up yours. <laughs> well, guess what we're going to talk about today? Money. We're talking about money and giving because, and I'll tell you, it's not because we need to light a fire under you because we can't pay our bills and we can't pay our salaries. It's not about that. You know, if we discovered oil on our property tomorrow and we had all the income that we needed for the next hundred years, to do everything that we could possibly imagine, we could finally stop teaching on giving and money, right? No. We would still teach regularly on money and giving. Why? Because the Bible does. A lot. You know, it teaches about money and giving more than just about any other subject. There are uh, about 500 verses in which the Bible talks about prayer. That's an important subject, right? About 500 verses that the Bible talks about giving. That's an important subject, right? Well, there are over 2,000 verses that talk about money, possessions, and giving. Significant, don't you think? 16 out of Christ's 38 parables talked about money, giving, and possessions. <clears throat> One out of every seven verses in the Gospels and what Jesus talked about deal with money, giving, and possessions. So why all the emphasis on money and giving? Let me tell you what the reason is not for the emphasis. God did not come up with the idea of, of giving because he's short on cash. And he needs your money. He's not on some heavenly street corner holding up a sign that says, we'll answer prayer for food. See, God asked you to give for your benefit, not his. He doesn't need your money. God doesn't need you to give for his sake. He needs you to give for your sake. A giving, you see, was not meant to be a duty. It was not meant to be a burden. G giving was meant to be a blessing to us and a source of joy. And listen, if giving feels to you like a duty, if it feels like a burden, you're doing it wrong. Now, do you remember the name of this series that we're in? Anybody? The blessed life. Giving is a necessary part of the blessed life that God desires for us. You cannot experience the full blessings of God in your life apart from learning to give generously. So let's talk today about why you can give generously. Number one, you can be generous because everything that you have belongs to who? It belongs to God. Psalm 24.1, read it out loud with me. The earth and everything on it belong to the Lord. The world and all its people belong to him. 
What in the world belongs to you? Nothing. Circle the words, all its people. Raise your hand if you are an all its people. Yeah. Which means you belong to who? So not only does your stuff not belong to you, you don't even belong to you. Now, I want to do something here. I hope you guys are cooperative this morning. Guys, I need you to get your wallets out. Gals, I need you to get your purses out. Would you get them and kind of just hold them up so I can see that you have them and you're ready to go forward with this? If you don't have that, open your cell phone to the app that has your bank account on it. Okay, y'all have that? Y'all have, let me see, let me see them. Okay, now, now humor me on this. Do this, okay? Trust me on this. I want you to hand your wallet or purse to somebody around you that is not a family member. Go for it, okay? Go for it. All right? They're, they're going to give it back and just don't, don't forget who you gave it to. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, th here's what we're going to do now. Now that you have somebody else's wallet or purse, this is what we're going to do. Ushers, would you please come? We're going to take the offering now, another offering, and you feel free to give out of that as much as your heart desires for you to give. Just kidding. Give it back. Hey, hey, but is it not easier to give when it's somebody else's stuff, <laughs> right? And wouldn't that be fun? Well, I've got good news for you. Your own is not your own. What you have is God's stuff. What's in that wallet, what's in that purse, what's in your bank account, that's God's stuff. And listen, God says, feel free to give from his wallet, from his bank account, from his purse. Feel free to give what he's already entrusted to you. Give as much as you'd like to. So, listen, if all I have belongs to God, that means I'm not the owner of anything. I'm just the manager of it. I'm managing it for God, which really means that I need to be asking God how he wants me to manage his stuff. I need to be praying and asking him how I should give, right? And here's a big question. How many of us ask God regularly, how much do you want me to give of the stuff that belongs to you? Uh, number two, you can be generous because God is your provider. He's your source. James 1.17 says this. Look at it. Some good things we have are given to us from God, right? Most good things. Let's read it out loud together. Every good thing we have is a gift given to us from our Father in heaven. So what good thing do you have that was not given to you by God? Nothing. And then look at what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Who made you superior to others? Didn't God give you everything you have? Underline that. Well, then how can you boast as if you were not given a gift? Now, Paul Bridgers mentioned last week in his message that there are some of us who may even get this idea, well, God didn't give me anything. I worked hard for what I have. Well, you know, that attitude, as Paul mentioned last week, is pure deception. And it's pride. 
mean, who gave you the opportunities that you have? How is it that you were placed in this country where hard work can pay off and where the government can't take it all away from you yet? Who gave you your health? Who gave you your intellect? Who gave you the abilities and the talents that enable you to be successful and, and to make a living? Who gave you the relationships with people along the way that have helped you out? I mean, there is so much that's beyond your control that if God did not bless you with those things, you would have and be absolutely nothing. A big zero with the edges trimmed off. You know, it's time to replace that deceptive pride with humble gratitude toward the God who has given you every good thing in life that you possess. Amen? Deuteronomy 8, 18 says this, But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to produce wealth. Um, some versions say success. Now, does this say that God gives us wealth, success? No, it says that God gives each of us the power to produce wealth. You know, Andrew Womack, who's built an incredible ministry, uh, conference center, Bible college that has campuses all over the world. They've trained thousands of, of individuals in, in ministry. And he says that he, he brought his mother to the campus one day, this beautiful campus that they have built. And she looks at it, and she's so impressed, and she turns to him, and she says, this is from his mother now. She says, Andrew, this has to be from God. You're not smart enough to do this. <laughs> you know, I know that the growth and the impact that this church has had for the last 26 years, it's, it's God. This building that we're in, it's God. It's not me. I'm not smart enough to do this. <laughs> and, and I've got something for you, brother. I know you, and I know anything that you've accomplished is not because of who you are. It's because of who God is. Amen? Amen. Philippians 419. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Philippians 419 says this. Let's read it out loud together. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. So who is the one that supplies all your needs? So from where, do you, from where does your supply come from? From God. But not just, listen to what it says. Your supply comes from his glorious riches. Which implies that he doesn't give us just barely enough. He gives us richly, abundantly, gloriously. He has given to us everything in Christ. In other words, the riches of Christ have been given to us. Wow. Romans 8.32 says, For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else that he has to give. You know why you can give generously? You can give generously because you have a generous God who gave you his best, and he's given you everything that he has to give. 
And he is the one that is your source and your provider. I'm going to tell you, points one and two here are crucial. If you're going to learn to manage your finances, and if you're going to learn how to be the generous giver that God desires you to get to be, you need to just have imprinted in your heart that God owns it all and that God is your provider, that he's the one that's given you everything that you have and everything that you will have. Get it? Good. Number three, you can give generously because generosity builds our faith and faithfulness. Now listen, if you don't believe money is a spiritual issue, I want you to consider the words of Jesus in Luke 16. And he says, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of earthly wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? The eternal treasures, this is the, the, the passion translation, the eternal treasures of the spiritual world. That, by the way, we're talking about the, what we receive now, the eternal treasures that we can experience now. You know what this says? Listen, this might be new. God looks at how you handle money to determine your true spiritual maturity. And whether you are faithful to receive from him even greater blessings than money, the blessings that he desires to give to you. Now, first of all, what this is implying here is that money is one of, if not the least blessing that God has for us. It's the least. And what this is also saying is that what we do with our money, that, that's not learning how to handle our money and to give is not advanced Christianity. It's basic Christianity. It's not spiritual calculus. It's spiritual addition and subtraction. It's something that a baby Christian should have figured out. If you can't handle money faithfully, what this is saying, what God is saying, is that you're not ready for the far greater blessings that God desires to pour out upon you. You see, many people are stuck in spiritual immaturity because they still have not learned how to handle money. If you want to grow deeper in your walk with God, if you want your faith to grow, if you desire to be used in a more powerful way, if you want to be entrusted with true riches, learn to be faithful and generous with your stuff. In 1 Kings, we read that soon after Solomon became king of Israel, out of love and gratitude to God, he offered what we believe are a thousand bulls to God. That's a lot of bull, right? I researched this and discovered that an average bull in today's market would bring in about $2,100. Well, $2,100 times a thousand bulls is $2,100,000. Would you say that's some generous giving on the part of Solomon? And that's noble. Now here's the part I want you most to see here. What happened after Solomon gave this generous offering? Second Chronicles 1.7. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, read it out loud with me, ask for whatever you want and I will give it to you. 
God gave Solomon a blank check. Whatever you want, just ask for it. I'll give it to you. Anything. Why? Why did he give him this blank check? Because by his generosity that was motivated by his love and gratitude for God, he proved himself to be trustworthy to receive from the storehouse of God's greatest blessings. Is there a lesson in that for us? Is there? I believe so. So let's go to number four. We can be generous because generosity forms God's character in us. You know, giving works selfishness and greed out of our lives like little else can. Giving will work generosity, work selfishness and greed out of you more than prayer, more than studying your Bible. You see, you can know the meaning of every Greek and Hebrew word for greed and still be a Scrooge, which our God is not. Our God is a giving God. That's his very nature. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. Circle the word gave. Now, more than just giving, it's what he gave. It's how he gave that reveals his nature. He gave his best. He gave the most valuable thing he had to give. He did not hold back. For God so loved the world that he gave what? His one and only son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but receive eternal life. And that's, again, why we can say that the person who has not learned how to give generously and sacrificially is not a spiritually mature person. Because what does spiritual maturity mean? It means for us to grow more and more like who? Like God and like Jesus. And we know that our God is an extravagant giver. So listen, as much as you give, you will never give as much, not even close to as much as what God has already given to you. You know, giving also grows our love for God. Jesus said in Luke 12, 34, let's read it out loud together. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now circle the word treasure. In the context of this passage, it's directly talking about money. Now, does this say, listen carefully, does this say that where your heart already is, there you will put your treasure? No, that's certainly true, right? But that's not what Jesus is saying here. What he's saying here is that where we invest our treasure, where we put our treasure, our hearts will follow it. We will grow to love the things that we invest or spend our money on. I tell you, I have never loved apples. I'm not talking about the fruit. I'm talking about the maker of Macintosh computers and iPhones, iPads, iWatch, iScream. No, wait, that's something for someone else. I've never loved Apple like I did after I put my money in Apple stock. I invested money. And the more money I put into Apple, the more love I had for Apple. And the more interest I had in Apple. And the more guilty I felt for using an Android phone. But I got over it. Where you put your money, your heart will follow. 
And that's why I encourage Terry to spend lots of money on me. You want to grow in your love for God? One way you can is to invest more into his kingdom. Number five, we can give generously because we know giving aligns us with Christ's mission. You know the reason why many of us struggle financially? It's because we're in a spiritual battle. The devil has a strategy to keep money out of the hands of Christians. Because he knows the tremendous power that money has to overcome his work in the world. See, when money is invested in the church, when money is invested in kingdom work, the gates of hell can be pushed back. Satan experiences the defeat that was already won over him on the cross, and the kingdom of Jesus is established on this earth. Money in the hands of Christians, when they're faithful, can feed the hungry, can clothe the naked, can shelter the homeless, can bring Christ's forgiveness, provision, healing, and power where it is needed. Money can take the gospel to provide Bibles for people that have never had the opportunity to hear the name of Jesus Christ, that have never had the opportunity to hear about this God that loves them so much that he sacrificed his son for them to make them his. And for that reason, the devil schemes and he fights to keep money out of the hands of Christians. And listen, you shouldn't put up with that. Use your authority and tell Satan to get and keep his hands off your job, off your money, off your career, off your possessions. Speak God's promises over your life and family, promises like Philippians 4.19. This same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. I want you to, to say this as, as a promise after me. We're going to say it in the first person. God will supply all my needs. Say that. Say it again. God will supply all my needs from his glorious riches which have been given to me in Christ Jesus. And then 2 Corinthians 9, 8. God can bless you with everything you need and you will always have more than enough to do all kinds of good things for others. Repeat after me. God can bless me with everything I need. And I will always have more than enough to do all kinds of good things for others. Now, if Satan can't keep money out of your hands, he'll seek to keep the money in your hands by making you a hoarder instead of a giver. Like the man described in Jesus' parable, Luke 12, there was a rich man whose land produced a bountiful harvest. He asked himself, what shall I do for I don't have enough space to store my harvest? He said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, build bigger ones. There I shall store all my grain and other goods. And I shall say to myself, now as for you, you have so many good things stored up for many years. Rest, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this night your life will be demanded of you. And the things that you have prepared, to whom will they belong? Read verse 21 out loud with me. This will it be for the one who stores up treasure for himself, but is not rich in what matters to God. And here's something better to do with our money. 
that drives the devil crazy. Luke 16, 9. Let's read it out loud together. Words of Jesus. I tell you, use the riches of this world to help others. In that way, you will make friends for yourselves. Then, when your riches are gone, you will be welcomed into your eternal home in heaven. And the implication is welcomed by those that you made friends with, with your riches while you were here on earth. So that word welcome there is used to describe embracing another with great affection and gratitude. Picture this, what Jesus is saying here is that when you use your riches, when you use your money to help others, particularly when you use that so that the gospel can get to others, you can help fill heaven with people who will one day be there to welcome you when you walk through the gates of heaven and with a great big embrace say, thank you. You're one of the reasons why I'm here. And then when you try to divert the attention back to Jesus, no, no, no. Then Jesus is going to come and give you a big hug and say, welcome, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah, it's good stuff, isn't it? So I got a question for you. Who will be in heaven because of you? Who will be in heaven because of how you've handled your money, your possessions, and how you've given Number six, we can give generously because generosity blesses us. You know, last words can tell you a lot. Like these last words. Yes, that was thunder. Hurry up and putt. Don't unplug it. It'll just take a moment to fix. Wow. Silence. Can I have a courtesy laugh? Thank you. Is it just a coincidence, or is everybody in your motorcycle gang ugly? And another famous last words. Yes, honey, those pants do make your bottom look big. More seriously, when someone knows that he's about to speak his last words, those are carefully chosen words. Those are important words. Those Those are the the most important truth or feeling that a person has to convey, right? Would you agree with that? And so, listen, Paul's on his way to Jerusalem. This is in the book of Acts. And he stops in this city called Miletus, and he calls for the elders of the church of Ephesus to come and meet him there. And this is a church that he particularly loves because he helped to plant that church there. And he says to them this in Acts 20, 25, and now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. Get it? These are the last words he's ever going to speak to them in his lifetime. And here's his last words. Among his last words, this is the very last thing he tells them in Acts 20.35. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Read it out loud with me. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Wow. Wow. That's the last thing Paul wanted them to hear. I mean, didn't say read your Bibles more often, pray more often. Didn't say be willing to die for the sake of Christ. The last thing he wanted them to hear is it's more blessed to what? Give than receive. 
Now, if you believe that, you will never again be reluctant to hear about how to be a better giver. If you truly believe that it's more blessed to give than receive. Now, I don't know about you, but I love receiving. Okay, just saying. Receiving is fun. And, and by the way, God loves for you to receive his blessing. Uh, 1 Timothy 6, 17. Have faith in God who is rich and blesses us with everything we need to enjoy life. God wants you to enjoy life. He finds joy in our joy. No reason to feel guilty for having fun, going on vacations, having nice things. However, the same God who invites us to receive things for our enjoyment is the same God who said it is more blessed to what? Give than receive. So as much of a blessing as it is to receive from God, he's saying it's an even bigger blessing to give what we have received to others and to the work of his kingdom. Get it? Good. So let me say what I said again earlier. God does not need your money. If you don't give, he has plenty of other resources to draw from. He gives, to, he asks you to give to give you the opportunity so that he can bless you. Because it is more blessed to give than to receive. And God wants you to be blessed to the max. Get it? Good. And when you give, it opens the door for God's increased generosity towards you. We always, always, always receive back more than what we give. Luke 6.38, Jesus says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, don't forget this principle. We talked about this two weeks ago. If God can get money through you, he will get money to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Also, when we give generously, we're blessed with joy. Now, Paul said, and this is probably a familiar verse to you, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, God loves what? He loves a cheerful giver. Uh, the Greek word there is hilarion, the word from which we get our word hilarious. And so he's saying that giving is meant to be a joy. It's meant to produce joy. And, you know, studies prove this. Studies actually show that giving and joy go together. Now, Unlike what many think, it's not those who are the most wealthy. It's not those who have the most stuff that are the most joyful people on this planet. What they show us is the people that report being the, the happiest and the most joyful are those who give the most, regardless of what their income is. Stingy people are miserable people. Generous people are joyful people. If you want to be blessed with joy, learn to be a generous giver. Now, did you know that as we speak, you have a heavenly 401k? Did you know that? You have the opportunity to make investments in this 401k that will bless you and last you for all of eternity. How do you invest in your heavenly 401k? Glad you asked. 
Jesus tells us in Luke 12. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you where? In heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. Isn't that interesting? I love the quote of Jim Elliott, the, the great missionary, who said, that person is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he can never lose. If you want to be blessed with heavenly treasure for eternity, then learn to give generously. Well, let me close with a true story. And I believe this illustrates this principle that it is more blessed to give than receive. Because when we give, we receive back from the, the supply of heaven far greater blessings. So back in 2003, we were um, in our old building, and we were trying to raise money to expand our old facility. And my youngest daughter, Tiffany, um, had at the same time been saving all this money. She's been saving her nickels and dimes to buy an, a Nintendo game console. And so we had this banquet uh, scheduled. It was coming up in which we were going to be raising money for... Uh, down payment so that we could begin the process of, of remodeling and expanding our old building. And one day, shortly before that banquet, Tiffany came up to me, and she's got this box in her hand, and it had all the money that she'd been saving for that Nintendo. And she said, here, Dad, I want to give this to Jesus to help build the church. And uh, I got tears of love and gratitude coming down my face. Honestly, I actually tried to talk her out of it because I knew how hard she'd work for that and how much she wanted that Nintendo game set. But it didn't matter what, what I said. She was steadfast, man. With a big, joyful smile that was spread across her face, she said, Dad, I want to do this. This is more important. See, this was an act of love for her. It wasn't an act of duty at all. And so I not only took her money, I, I told the church when we had that banquet about what Tiffany had done. And now they are the ones that all had weepy eyes. Now let me tell you some of the blessings that resulted from her unselfish giving, generous giving. First of all, someone in the church was so touched by what she'd done. He not only gift-wrapped and delivered to her a brand-new Nintendo but over $100 of games to go with it. So she got back much more than she gave. She received much more back. And then her example sparked something in the hearts of the people that were at that banquet, and they gave like twice as much as we expected to receive in that, in that offering. And because of that, we were able to enlarge our sanctuary, build a larger commons area, add classrooms, uh, all of which help us to reach more people and eventually outgrow that building and have to move into this building where we have continued to grow and been able to reach more people. Yeah. And here's the thing I want you to get. Every person that had been reached since the time she gave that offering, she's got a part in that. 
Every person that is in heaven since then and will be in heaven since then, she's got a part in that. There are people in heaven right now and people who will be in heaven one day who will be waiting along with Jesus and will be there to welcome her with a huge, affectionate, grateful hug and say thank you. And she has an eternal treasure waiting for her that she will never lose. Truly, it is more blessed to give than receive. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you, of course, are the ultimate giver. You're our example, our motivation, our power. Thank you for entrusting us <clears throat> with what you've given us. Thank you for helping us to be faithful. Thank you that <clears throat> you held nothing back. You gave us your son. And you continually pour out blessing after blessing upon us. We thank you that <clears throat> you want us to live a blessed life. That's your desire. Blessed, abundant, joyful. We love you, Father. Thank you for loving us. We pray in Jesus' name.